Amen. All right, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night service. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Well, of course, it's still the 4th of July week and we got lots of people celebrating and, and being on vacation with their families and everything. But we would like to welcome a couple of first timers with us. My mom and dad. We haven't seen them. <laughs> they have been gone for a few minutes, but they are back after about five weeks of being uh, in Indiana. So we're just super glad that they're with us tonight and we're going to have a really good time. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States. And as we've said several times, we continue to rejoice uh, that we are seeing our faith uh, have an impact. And we're seeing some good things begin to change in this nation. So we give the Lord the praise for that. Amen. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. Father. We come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give Jesus some praise tonight. Yes. All right, you may be seated. Amen. We are going to go through a few announcements here and make sure that everybody is filled in on the uh, upcoming events because we still got some good things going on. Uh, first of all, I want to remind you uh, yet again that we have the July scripture reading available and it's got a daily commentary from my dad, from pastor. And uh, this month is on the topic of love, which is going perfectly with what we're uh, teaching on Sunday mornings. And so this is a really good opportunity for you to get your faith developed in this area because faith comes from hearing the word of God. Amen. And so uh, you can get that online and we do have some printed copies available at the info booth. And then we uh, also want to remind you that the youth group trip to uh, St. George, Utah is coming up this weekend. They're leaving on Sunday afternoon and coming back uh, Wednesday afternoon. And uh, they're going to have an awesome, awesome time. And so if you are a parent of one of the teens, uh, make sure you're registered by today. And go ahead and talk to Pastor Katie if you have any questions. But again, these guys are going to have a really fun time. But more importantly, a good spiritual time time uh, learning more about Jesus and growing in their faith. All right. And then uh, the big thing for July is this, is that it's membership class time. Who's excited? Hey, most of you are members already, but I appreciate the excitement. And so this is going to be on Sunday, July 17th uh, from 4 to 7 p.m. All right. And uh, if you aren't a member yet, we would love for you to be a member and uh, just you make it official that, yeah, this is my church home. This is where I'm putting down my roots. And uh, also this is if you're going to serve in the ministry, uh, it's very important that you go through membership class so we can get you lined up on that. And finally, the last thing for the month of July is that there is going to be 
a men's fishing trip on Monday the 25th. And they're going to be going to the Balboa Pier down by San Diego. And uh, Tim Justice is kind of heading this up for us. But there is a sign-up sheet back there at the info booth. So, men, we want you to go if you're available. And uh, if you want to bring your boys with you, you can. You just, of course, have to supervise them. And um, and uh, there's, pole, there's pole rentals and things like that down there also. So we just need to see how many guys are going. But it is going to be a super cool time. And we've been trying to get a fishing trip together for years. So. So we're glad that it is finally happening now. All right. Well, that is all the announcements for right now. But again, I'd like to have a special guest. Uh, I'm just kidding. My dad, he's going to come up and take up the Wednesday night tithes and offerings. Amen. It has been a little while. All right. Very good. Oh, glory to God. I've I've talked to you from 10 o'clock tonight right now. That's where we've been for the last five weeks in the other zone. We were not the twilight. We were the eastern zone. But we don't. Oh, wow. Hey. (laughs) Uh, Are we supposed to sanitize this and touch my mouth, Dave? Where are you? (laughs) Praise God. You don't know how good it is to be back here. Thank you, Jesus. We went to another church out there every week, and it was really, really a good church. But it wasn't like this church. This is my church. Amen. Say, say this is my church. Amen. And, uh, you know, we don't believe in wizards, but you can say this. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. This is home. You know, remember the Wizard of Oz, Dorothy, no place like home? This is our home. And, you know, I'm so grateful I'm so grateful for all the people I saw getting help at that church. It was a good church. The pastor kind of reminded me of me. He talked good word and he was goofy. He told old man jokes and nobody laughed but him. So I thought, well, I can identify. But you guys do laugh at my jokes still, right? Amen. I did, I, I did see Pastor Dave crack a few while I was watching. And uh, I guess he had that your side muted because I thought nobody's laughing, so I will laugh from two thousand miles away from my son. <laughs> Praise God! I just got to look at you for a minute. It's just so good to be here. It is really, really good to be here. And uh, you, you know what? What one thing that uh, I'll just I'll just tell you that uh, all of you guard out for is this: when I was watching out there before the service with that phone up here watching, taking the thing. There was a lot of activity up here that really didn't look good for the whole world watching our church families up here messing around. So just got to be conscious of watching that if you miss for the service because they have to get that tuned in to be able to have it ready to make sure everything's working. So just watch out for kids running around and just goofing off up here because it doesn't look good. But anyway, what time is it? Happy time. Hold up your hands and an envelope for your times or your offerings and open up to Malachi chapter 3. And I'm going to show you something really good. Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to look at verse 10 and verse 11. But I want to, I'm going to tell you something really good. So listen, this is just not the regular stuff we talk about every time. This is good and it's fresh. Malachi chapter 3. And you know, in our church, we just, we don't just have a religious things that we do just to say, hey, we're going to, just study the Bible, we always try to present the Bible in the way that it helps you in everyday life. How many are kind of watching your money close these days and just being really 
uh, strategic in how you spend it. Amen? We're strategic how we spend it. And the last thing you want to do is just throw a bunch of money away and burn it up, right? There's enough money going. You know, I saw somebody put something. I, I looked at Facebook while I was out there to watch the church to see what's going on with the church. But I saw somebody put on there. You might have seen this. Somebody, somebody called the police from a gas station. And they said, I've been robbed out at the so-and-so station down here. And the, and the police said, well, did you, did, did you get a look at the robber? Said, yeah, it's pump number eight. And, you know, that, that's, that's kind of almost reality right now. But Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, says, bring you part of the tithes into the storehouse when the country's going through a hard time. I'll tell you what, if you're going through a hard time, that's the time you better make sure you bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Why did God say that? He says that there may be meat or spiritual food in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. I just throw something in there. How many are glad that your, that, that your storehouse has spiritual food for you? This spiritual food here, I dare to say, is why some of you are alive, why some of your marriages are making it, why your children aren't running around wild, and why you've got more than enough money for school supplies, gas, and all that stuff, because there's been meat in this house to show you how to use your faith. Amen? It says, prove me now then. And then he says, if if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, I will not receive it. Verse 11. This is in, uh, in, 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 my, in my Pastor Samples Living Bible in my heart. This is in big, bold letters. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I was at the airport in Indianapolis yesterday. I just bought a cup of coffee. And I was sitting down for a little bit. And all of a sudden I thought, something doesn't feel right. And I went, my billfold's gone. And so I retraced my steps. I looked everywhere. And I stopped in the middle of the airport. I looked up to heaven. I said, Lord, I'm a tither. And they was really busy at that airport too. Lots of people everywhere. And I said, Lord, I'm a tither. And I'm claiming my tither's rights. You said the windows of heaven are open on me to prove you. And I want to thank you your blessings on me. And Lord, I want to thank you that Satan is a rebuke devourer because I'm a tither. And then I walked up, Mrs. Pastor sitting and walked up there and said, you know what? I lost my billfold, but it's getting ready to come back. About that time, murdered samples. Burdened samples, cut, cut to gate 24, we found something. <laughs> What's that got to do with tonight? Everything. I'm a tither. I'm not a quiet tither. I'm a bold tither because I don't like to get stolen from. I like the blessing on my life. And I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell every Christian everywhere that's struggling, the first thing you do if you go through hard times, don't rob God. Don't rob God. I think about what all's in my billfold. You know, I, I had I had some cash. It wasn't a small amount of cash. Pretty good cash in my billfold. Plus, I had a lot of other things in my billfold I did not want in the wrong hands. I did not want to have to get on the telephone all day and start calling around all kinds of companies and say, hey, 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 protect me. Who did I talk to? If I get 5,000 likes on Facebook, I'll get my money back. 
You know, that's the first place some Christians go. They go right to Facebook if they're having a hard time. I just looked up to heaven. And because of what I do tonight, what I do on Sunday morning with my money, that gives me rights in heaven. And so I just want to say this again to everybody, everybody listening out there and everybody in the service. Don't rob God because how much was that worth all I got back last night real quick? Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand. Amen. 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 I really appreciate that. Well, are we ready to make our financial faith confession? All right, let's stand up. And, you know, uh, this faith confession is almost like a prayer, but I'm just thinking, do you know that Jesus said, and when you stand praying? So it's a good thing to stand praying sometimes. <laughs> All right, let's go. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings that increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give just for the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. creation 
lift up his name to God be the glory to God be the glory all of creation lift up his name to God be the glory to God be the glory all of creation lift up his name to God be the glory to God be the glory all of creation lift up his name to God be the glory I worship you. I worship. 
Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. raise our hands to him tonight. Father, we love you and we know that you are indeed a miracle worker, Father. You can make a way where nobody else could make a way. You can make a way where there is no way, Father, because with you all things are possible. We love you and we lift your name high tonight. We exalt you in this house, Father, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you would have your way. Your word would have free course tonight, Lord, to do everything that you send it forth to do, and we ask that you would speak to us, Lord. We have ears to hear, and we are listening. We love you, Jesus, and we exalt you tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can we give Jesus some praise together tonight? Amen. All right. God is good. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated this evening. I'm excited. We're going to get into God's word. And we always have a good time when we are making Jesus the center of it all. And we're uh, and we're exalting his word. Amen. And so uh, if you recall on Wednesday nights all summer long, we have been in a series called Summer in the Psalms. And amen. We've been having a pretty good time with that. 
All right, yeah. And so what we've been doing is every single Wednesday night, we are, we're just going through one, a different psalm or maybe looking at a, one of the topics that the psalms is covering. And tonight, uh, we're going to be kind of going over a topic that is covered very thoroughly in the psalms. And it's this. We're going to be talking about the topic of honor. Now, uh, this is one of the major themes Throughout the Psalms. In fact, there's 27 Psalms that are uh, really themed around this topic of honor. And this is something that was very key in King David's life. And, and you know, David had his faults. We're, we're aware of, of you know, his big sin with Bathsheba. And, and uh, you know, he did some other things that he shouldn't have done. Yet through it all, the scripture declares that he was a man after God's own heart. And that's very unique because there's nobody else that the Bible says that about. Though I believe that there were other men that were men after God's own heart. I believe Abraham and and, and so many other guys were truly men after God's own heart. But David is the only guy that the scripture actually says that about. And so one, there's a lot of reasons for that. I believe one is because he admitted when he was wrong and he repented and he turned things around. Thank God for that. Uh, but I believe another big reason that David was found to be a man after God's own heart is because David was all about honor. He honored God. He honored uh, the people in authority over him spiritually and naturally. And, and, and his whole life, you, you can even see even in the 23rd Psalm, he mentions honor twice in there. And, and so he's like, God, you know, I want to bring honor to your name. And so what we're going to do tonight is I'm going to open up with two different Psalms that speak of honor. And then the rest of our night's actually not going to be in the Psalms. It's going to be in First and Second Samuel uh, because I'm going to be looking at a lot of things out of David's life out of there. But if you could with me tonight, open up to Psalm 29. Psalm 29. Amen. And we're going to look at verses one and two. And we'll be in the NLT, the New Living Translation, all night long. But let's look here at Psalm 29. And we're going to look here at verses 1 and 2. And as I said earlier, there's 27 of the Psalms by my count. Maybe you can count more, but I count 27 Psalms that speak of and are themed around the topic of honor. And so uh, we're going to look here, first of all, at Psalm 29 and verses 1 and 2. And this is indeed a Psalm of David. And now your King James may word it a little differently, but in the NLT, it says this Psalm 29 verse 1, honor the Lord, you heavenly beings, or some translations say you sons of God. It says, uh, honor the Lord for his glory and strength. Verse 2, Honor the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And so just in those two verses right there, we catch the word honor three times where David's saying, honor God, simply honor him just for the glory of his name. That's how powerful his name is. And so what are we talking about Honor tonight, honoring God. And I want to show you one more psalm before we really dig in to some interesting stories from David's life. But this is going to be Psalm 45, Psalm 45 and verse 17. 
Now you could catch me on this one, and, and this is not actually a psalm of David. This is David did not write this psalm, but it was too good for me to not use. It's a beautiful psalm, and I'm going to look here, Psalm 45. And we're going to look at verse 17. And uh, this is a psalm of the descendants of Korah. Who loves Korah? Do you know who Korah is? All right, probably not. Very good. Well, there's four people in the Bible named Korah. And I believe this is one of Moses' relatives. But anyway, Psalm 45 and uh, verse 17. Now, again, this whole chapter is great. And it talks about honor all throughout it. But Psalm 45, and we're going to look here at verse 17. And it says, I will bring honor to your name in every generation. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. And I don't know what your goal is in life. Maybe you're like, well, my ultimate goal is to just make a whole bunch of money. Maybe your goal is to be rich and famous or to, I don't know what your goal is, but I love that in this psalm, the goal is I will bring honor to your name. And I'm not living this life to bring honor to my name. It doesn't matter if anybody ever knows who David Samples is, but I want people to know the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what David was all about in the Bible. He said, I want to bring honor to your name in every generation. And that's a beautiful goal. And that's a beautiful attitude to have. And so what we're going to do, so I'm going to take a look tonight, uh, kind of topical, at a few different stories from David's life to show you his, uh, his extreme desire uh, and, and, and goal of bringing honor to God and teaching honor to those around him. Now, I told Pastor Katie, I was like, I ought to save this sermon for a Sunday morning, but I'm like, no, 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 the Wednesday night people... They deserve this and they can handle this. So this isn't going to be a funny sermon. This is going to be a little more serious. But what I want you to do is to pay attention because if you could get a hold of honor, even a little bit like David did, it could change your life and it could set you and your children up for blessing and success for the rest of your lives. If you would truly desire to honestly, wholeheartedly bring honor to God. And you could say, I don't care if anyone ever knows who I am, but I want to point people to Jesus and I want to honor him with my entire life. That would change everything for you. So let's pray. And I wanted to get into this message tonight that I believe is a very important message. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that, yeah, we're studying the Psalms this summer and, and we're seeing all sorts of really good and, and life changing and interesting things. Lord, we're learning uh, through all of this. But tonight I pray that as we open up the Bible to you, as we exalt your, you, your name and your word, that you're going to speak to us, Lord. Show us the things that we need to see tonight. And Lord, change us for your glory. We want to bring honor to your name just like King David did. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen? Amen. All right. We're going to look at three things regarding David and honor. And these are out of First and Second Samuel. And of course, if you're familiar with your Bible, you know that First and Second Samuel mainly record the events of David's life. Now, First and Second Chronicles also do the same if you're up for reading that also. But here we go. Talking about honor. Number one, King David. Number one, David honored God. David honored God. 
he didn't just like God. He didn't just respect God and, and like, you know what? Yeah, me and God, we, we got an agreement. We got a thing going. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with God. We, we're good. Me and God are good. No, David honored God more than anything else in this world. And so let's look at second Samuel chapter seven. Can we do that tonight? Second Samuel chapter seven. And this is a very, very, uh, revealing story that, I mean, this sums David up right here in so many ways in second Samuel chapter seven. And so as we're, uh, turning there, a little context for the chapter, David had just recently finally become king of Israel. Now he was anointed and called to become the next king of Israel when he was a teenager. And we know that that didn't happen right away. And so sometimes in in our lives, we're in the same boat. We're like, yeah, man, God made me this promise. I've got this calling. I've got this anointing. And and the Lord maybe revealed something to you at a certain point in life. And you got to know that that doesn't always mean that it's going to happen next week or next year or five years. I don't know the exact amount of years that it was before David actually became king. But I know this much. A lot of those years, he was on the run for his life. Because King Saul was after him everywhere. But by 2 Samuel chapter 7, David has finally become the king of Israel. Saul is dead. And David didn't rejoice in that. He mourned it. But Saul is dead. David has captured the city of Jerusalem uh, from the Jebusites, and he's made it Israel's official capital, which, uh, which you know, Jerusalem is still, uh, well, not every country recognizes it as Israel's capital, but as of 2017, the United States finally does again, so that's good news. But we recognize Israel as being the capital city, or Ju- Jerusalem being the capital city. And so David is here. They've got... Jerusalem. They've finally built the palace, the big castle that he's going to live in. And David can finally sit down and take a deep breath. I, he could be saying, I've accomplished so many goals. I'm finally king. We've captured the city. We have built the palace that I'm going to live in. I'm just going to sit down and finally take a deep breath and Enjoy the fruits of my labor. But David looks out his window that night and realizes something that not everybody would realize. Look at this. Second Samuel chapter seven, verse one. When King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies for the first time in his adult life, he has peace. Woo. But look at this. The king summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, here I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. And well, you're like, well, what's that all about? The ark of God is a precious and holy thing for the people of Israel. Now, a normal person you, most people we know, they would have sat down like, I've got peace. I've accomplished all my goals. I'm going to enjoy this. But that was not David. He's like, how dare I sit here in this cedar palace, this mansion, this beautiful place and enjoy myself while God's house, God's little temple is out there in the yard in a tent. 
And what is the Ark of God? This was something beautiful. The Ark of the Covenant that, that, that Moses had had made on Mount Sinai. And, the, and for the people of Israel, up until this point of time, they put very special memorial, memorial things in there. Uh, they had stored some of the manna for Moses. And they had all sorts of things in there. But most importantly... This is where the presence of God was upon the earth because the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out. Now, I ask you, where is the presence of God? It's right here in me, and it's right on the inside of you. But up until this point in time, the Spirit and the presence of God were housed in this ark, this little shelter. And so basically, this was God on earth right here. And so David sits down. He's like, I can't. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror sitting in this beautiful mansion while I've got God out there in a tent in the yard. Can you think about that? This bothered him so bad that he's like, no, forget it. We're going to do something about this. And he wouldn't rest until God had a bigger and grander and fancier house than he had. But here's the thing. David sets out right then. We're going to build God a temple and we're going to, it's going to be the biggest and the best and fanciest thing this world has ever seen. But the Lord says, David, I love your heart in this, but you're not going to be the guy that gets to do it. Uh, it's not going to happen in your lifetime. And I just want to go down here to verses 12 and 13. It turns out that, that David's son Solomon was going to be the guy to build the temple. And if you study that out later in scripture, boy, did he build himself or build God a temple. And if you were to add up the, I mean, it's just insane to realize how fancy that temple was. It was worth billions and trillions of dollars if you were to use today's uh, monetary standards. It's incredible. And then people get mad when a church in the U.S. gets new carpet and air conditioner. You could use that money to feed the poor. It's God's house. Should God be the poorest, sloppiest building in the whole town? No, not, not according to David. And so here we go. But we're going to skip down for the second time to verses 12 and 13. And so this is the Lord speaking what he says to David. Verse 12, for when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, not for Solomon's name, not for David's name, but the Lord says for my name and I will secure his royal throne forever. And so out of all of this, God is telling David, because you've chosen to honor me, because you have chosen to show me honor, I'm going to bless I'll bless you, but I'm going to bless your children and, and, and one of your descendants will be on the throne of Israel forever. And do you know that in 2022, one of David's descendants is still on the throne of Israel and, 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 and is the head of what we believe because Jesus is a descendant of King David through Joseph, his stepfather, and through Mary, he's a double descendant of King David. And of course, he is the great high priest, and he is who we serve and worship. And we are all children of Abraham under the new covenant, according to the book of Galatians, right? And so God kept his promise, and David's throne all throughout 
the four gospels, people refer to Jesus as son of David, son of David. And, and so that God kept his promise for that. But out of all of this, out of all of this, cause I'm very pressed on time tonight, talking about honor for God. Let's look at our lives for a minute here this evening on this July, Wednesday, 2022. And I would just, I'm asking myself all day long as I'm reading about David, do you feel you are truly honoring God with your life? Do you feel like you are truly honoring God with your life? Now you may be acknowledging God. And as I, you know, I joke, you know, you give your nod to God and we you know whenever it's that time of the week or the month or depending on, you know, your commitment level, that time of the quarter or whatever the sake is, you may be acknowledging God, but are you truly honoring God with your life? Do you give God your best? Or do you just give him something if you've got something left over? And, and people's mind instantly goes to money. I'm not even talking about money. I'm talking about, does God get the best cut of your day? Or does he get, okay, finally, the kids are in bed. I've got five minutes before my show comes on. I'll give God five minutes. Or, you know what? Oh, it's on commercial break. Quick, get my Bible out. Get the Bible app. Let's see what the verse of the day is. Let's get real. That's not giving God your best. That's God. God's fortunate that day that... High and mighty you had an extra few minutes of your precious time to toss his way. Are we honoring God with our lives? David could have been fine with God having a little tent out in the yard. I mean, the Israelite people had had him in a, in a little ark there for hundreds of years. What was it any different now? But David wasn't like everybody else because David had honor. And he's like, I, could, I couldn't live with myself. If I'm living in a mansion and the presence of God's in a box out in the yard, no way, no way I'm going to do something about this. And so I'm just asking myself, I, you could ask yourself, are you good enough with the level of your honor towards God right now? And if you're comfortable, I can't, I mean, I can't imagine you saying that you've just totally got this down, but maybe you do, maybe you do. But I'm asking us, are we good with our, are we satisfied with how much honor we show to God. David wasn't. David was not satisfied. I don't think he was ever satisfied. I think he always was just thinking away. I got to honor God more. I got to bring honor to his name. Read the Psalms. You'll see it the whole way through. I want to bring honor to your name, God. And that was David's attitude. But let's go to point number two. And so David honored God that was his thing. Uh, but, but another thing about David that we'll see is he honored the authority in his life. And uh, specifically Samuel, the prophet, uh, and I should have also put Nathan, Nathan, the prophet. Uh, he listened and, and honored and obeyed him. And also to his arch nemesis, who was mean to him, King Saul. And I'm telling you right now, if David could honor Saul, who was mean and terrible and hunted him down like a dog for years, we should definitely be able to at least honor our leaders. And so let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 24. So go back to 1 Samuel now. And I want to show you David a little bit earlier on in his life. And so it's very important that we show honor to our spiritual leaders David did that, and also even to the natural leaders, even if we don't like them. There are definitely people 
in charge that I don't particularly like, and I don't think they're doing a good job, but I refuse to call them bad names and slang names that mean something else, and I don't let my kids do it either. You refer to him as his title, and so that's, you know, even if I don't like him. And and why? Because I want honor in my heart. I want honor. And if David could show Saul a little respect and honor, I can do it. I, you know, I can do this. But First Samuel 24, here we have one of the very interesting stories in all of Scripture. And uh, this is a story of King Saul trying to take a number two out there in a the cave. All right. So First Samuel 24, and we're going to look here at verses 3 through 7. It says, at the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. And yes, you know, that's Bible phrase for he was using the bathroom. He was taking a number two. He was doing some paperwork, whatever you want to say. All right. And so but as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Look at that. Saul was on the hunt trying to kill him. And just so happens David and his band of men are hiding in that cave from Saul. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today, the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. I don't know about you, but that is pretty close. If you're, I don't know how long his robe was, but if David was close enough that he could cut off a piece of the robe, he was certainly close enough that he could have stabbed the man that had tortured him for years and ended all of this. Now you gotta be careful to who you listen to all around you because David's friends are like, this is obviously God. And I've had people tell me, this is so obviously God. You gotta do this. And well, I'll know in my heart if it's God or not. And, and so just even if it looks like it's God, I need to know in my heart if it's really God. And so David could have said, yeah, there's, I, I, I feel weird about this, but it's, it's gotta be God. It, certainly this has to be God. There's no way out of all the caves in Israel that he came into the cave where this is God. But look at David as, as we read a little bit further here and, and, and see what happens. Verse 5, but then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. And all throughout the study of David's life, you can see he sits down in the palace, but his conscience is like, no. And he here, here he's got a chance to kill this guy. His conscience says no. And I know that David screwed up. But one thing about David, he listened to his conscience. And I want to get to that place in my life where I'm always like, you know what? It just, no. My conscience is telling me one thing. The answer is no. And people are like, no, 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 knock that off. But I can say, no, I'm listening to my heart on this. David had a very, very sensitive conscience before the Lord, and he listened. And so his conscience is just eating him alive on the inside. Verse 6, he said to his men, no. The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the King. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. Can you imagine the amount of restraint and the amount of 
discipline that that took right there. But I'm telling you right now, David not only honored God, he honored the king, even when he was a really, really bad king. And so we're not going to turn there tonight, but in chapter 26, David gets a very similar chance where he could have killed Saul one more time, but he refused to do it. And it's later written in the Psalms, in Psalm 105.15. You can write that down, but I'm not, I don't have time to turn there. Psalm 105.15, it's written that David says, Touch not my anointed, and do my prophets no harm. The Lord spoke that through him. Touch not my anointed, and do my prophets no harm. David for his honor for God was like, no, I couldn't mess with God's chosen king. Even though he's bad, I, I, I'm not going to touch him. So David honored the natural king. And you need to know that David honored his spiritual leaders. And, uh, we, you know, you could just write this down also, but in second Samuel 11 is the terrible story of David committing adultery and then having uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, murdered. She gets pregnant. I mean, what a crazy story. And, and, and out of all of it, it's just bad. But in chapter 12, Nathan the prophet shows up, and right, and he tells him this story. He's like, hey, I got, David, I just, I want to share a story with you. Uh, there was this man that had a whole bunch of sheep. You know, he's a rich guy. He could have had any sheep in the world that he wanted. And then there was this other guy. He wasn't rich. He just had one little sheep, but that sheep was his whole world. That sheep meant everything to him. The rich guy that had all the sheep killed this guy and took the one little sheep that he had. David, what should we do? And David's like, kill that sucker. That guy's going down. I demand justice. And the prophet says, David, you're that man. And David's like, oh my gosh, it's me. I did that. Now, David being king, he could have killed that prophet right there and said, shut up. You are not going to blackmail me. You're not going to, you know, extortion. You're not going to threaten me. I'll have you hung by tonight. David could have done anything, but what did David do? Oh my gosh, you're right. I got called out for my sin. He didn't kill the prophet. He didn't get mad at God. He repented. He fessed up to it. And that's beautiful to me because, I mean, as a pastor, how many, I just preach a sermon about sin and get people mad at me, let alone individually say, man, I know you're doing this and you need to stop it. I hardly ever do that. But I could just preach a sermon and people get mad and leave and run off and think I'm talking about. And so what is that? I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor, but I'm just saying David, he had some honor for God, for the king and for his preacher, for his prophet, for his spiritual leader to such an extent that he could call him out on his junk. And he was like, you know what? You're right. And, and David's sin, it, it cost him. It was bad. It, he lost that baby. And, it, and, and David mourned and was so tore up over the whole thing. And uh, you could write this down. Psalm 51 is all about David repenting and crying out to God. He's against you and you alone have I sinned. I've, I've disgraced you. You're going to ban me from your presence. And David is just weeping and crying and bawling. Psalm 51 is a, it's a hard one to read because David is so tore up over his sin, but he didn't try to hide it. He said, I did it and I was wrong. David honored the man of God in his life. And so 
uh, yes, I, we asked, are you, if you got to ask this to yourself, but are you properly honoring God in your life? And would you say this is only between you and God? Do you feel you're properly honoring the authorities God has placed in your life? The, you know, the leaders of our nation or whatever. Are you properly honoring the spiritual authorities that God has placed in your life? Can they tell you the truth? Can they, can they be real with you? Or uh, do you honor them? And again, that's a question that only you can answer between you and God. All right. And so the third thing I'm going to say tonight is this about the topic of honor. It's beautiful is that David taught honor to those beneath him. David taught honor not only to his children, David had lots of sons, and I believe that he taught them all about honor, but he also taught the men that submitted their lives to him about honor. And so I want to read you what I feel to be one of the most beautiful stories in Scripture. Second Samuel chapter 23. Are you still with me tonight? Second Samuel chapter 23. I'm going to look here at verses 13 through 17. Now, at, at the end of Second Samuel, it's kind of reflecting on David's life. He's getting ready to die. But this is telling a story from earlier on in his life. Second Samuel 23, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 17. 2 Samuel 23, starting at verse 13. And here's this very, very interesting story. And, and I think that it's a really, really beautiful story. So Second Samuel 23, verse 13. Once during the harvest, when David was at the cave of Adullam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephaim. The three, those were David's best men, who were among the 30, an elite group among David's fighting men, went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at the time, and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. And we know that's a very important city uh, because that's where Jesus was born. But look at verse 15. David remarked longingly to his men, oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. And so David had water. He had that. But he just really liked water from this particular little well down in Bethlehem. And he's just sitting there kind of thinking out loud, man, I sure could use some of that water right now. And, you know, maybe you have your favorite water or whatever. He's like, man, I sure could use some Dasani water right now, whatever. And, and, And that's basically what he's saying. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. They risked their lives for a cup of water, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he took that water and he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. And I'm like, what's going on? Verse 17, David says, the Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. And these are examples of the exploits of these three men. And so I, you, I first glance, read that story, and I'm like, what a jerk. You don't even, <laughs> they risked their lives for a cup of water and you wouldn't even drink it. You're, what, you're, you're, well, what is that? And, and if you know honor and you understand honor, you, you get that David, it says he, he took that, that, he took that water. 
He didn't just throw it out and say, you guys are crazy. You shouldn't have done that. You could have died out there. No, David's like, oh my gosh. You honor me so much that you would risk your lives to bring me a cup of water? There's no way in the world I deserve this. There's no way in the world I could drink this water. And so he pours it out. What does he do? As an offering to God. And he's like, God, I just praise you. And I, and I, and, 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 and he pours it out as an offering of God because he's like, I don't deserve this water. I can't believe you guys did that. And where did these guys learn honor like this from? Because I can tell you, honor at that level is not a natural instinct. This is something that is not only taught, but it's caught. These men learned this level of honor from their leader, King David, because that's how he honored God. That's how he honored the terrible, wicked king that tried to kill him for years. David was such a man of honor that he imparted that into those beneath him. They learned it from David. And so I wonder, like, man, what am I teaching my kids about honor? Parents, are we teaching our kids true honor for God? I'm not being legalistic, okay? So I I like that our kids play over here, so don't stop them. I I like that we've got 500 kids in this church that run, and I, I get that. I love it. It's my favorite thing here. But that's not what I'm talking about. Are we teaching our kids honor for God? Are we teaching them that that's optional? That's if you got time, are we teaching our kids how to honor the spiritual leaders that God's placed in their lives? And again, it's awkward for me to talk about this being, you know, a pastor here, but I'm just, it's got to be talked about at least, you know, every few years. All right. So what I'm saying is, are we teaching our kids to honor God, to honor our National leaders are, are, are spiritual leaders and pastors and, 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 and missionaries and people of God. Are we teaching, are we teaching them to simply honor their elders? And so there's a, there's a, a story that I'm going to share real quick. It's an old German story that I read, but I, I thought it interesting regarding children. It says, this man brought in his elderly dad, a certain man brought in his elderly dad to live with them, the family. The old man would kind of shake while he ate and sometimes spill on the tablecloth so the the mom got upset and said i can't take this he makes extra work for me and this is stealing my happiness so they moved the old man in the corner on a stool for his meals he would stare at the family eating while they were at the table and one day he dropped his bowl and broke it the wife said if you're going to eat like a pig then you can just eat from a trough like a pig so they made a trough and made the the old man the grandpa eat out of the trough one day, that old man's son saw his own son making a trough out of wood. He asked him, what's that for? He said, oh, I'm making a trough, Dad. He was smiling at his dad looking for a pr- I'm making a trough. And he's like, well, what's the trough for? And this, the little boy says, it's to feed you and Mom out of when I get big. The man and his wife looked at each other for a while and couldn't say anything. Then they started crying. Then they went to the corner and took the old man by the arm and led him back to the table. They sat him in a comfortable chair and gave him his food on a plate. And from then on, nobody ever scolded him when he clattered or spilled or broke things. They honored him because 
if we don't teach honor now, you expect your kids to honor you when you're older? If you don't even, you know, honor the people, don't even honor God, it's something to think about. Something to think about. And so my point out of all of this is this, I guess, because I'm out of time and I just got to stop here. But honor for God is a, and, and everything else we've talked about is a beautiful, beautiful thing that is missing in this world. Because let's get real. Do you think we live in a society that shows much honor to anybody? No, we don't. In fact, in 2 Timothy 3, Paul prophesied about the end times. And he said that these people at the end of the world will consider nothing sacred. Nothing holy. They'll do anything. They'll barge into church services to protest. Paul didn't say that, but I'm just giving you an example. Uh, the, you know, they'll spray paint. They'll burn churches down. They'll, you know, they'll, 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 nothing will be off limits to these people. They'll have no honor whatsoever. And I'm like, Paul, man, brother, you nailed that on the head. <laughs> you nailed it because that's the society that we live in. And so I'm not expecting the sinners and the atheists and the godless haters and scoffers to teach their kids honor. They're not going to do it. I gave up on that. But what I do think would be really important is that the Christian people would teach their children honor, that the Christian people and adults would have honor in their hearts for God and for God's house and for God's leaders and for the president, even though we may not like him, and, and, and even the governor of our great state. If we would have some level of honor. It's not that I like him. It's that I at least honor the position that he holds. And that's important because again, if you're like, well, there's no way I could show respect and honor these leaders. If David could show honor to the man that personally hunted him down, the man threw spears at him, the Dave, the man tried to kill his own son for befriending David. And I'm not going to repeat what Saul called his son Jonathan because it's basically a curse word. He said, you stupid son of a, to his own son for trying to protect David's life. This man hated David, yet David said, no, no, I've got to honor the king. I've got to show respect to my Lord, the king. I could never touch God's anointed. I could never do his prophets or his preachers any harm. No, they're, you know, I don't have to agree with them, but they're off limits. I'm not going to attack those people. I, I, I refuse to do it. And so if David could show that level of respect, it's something for us to kind of examine in our lives as we do our summer in the Psalms uh, over the next few months. It's going to be awesome. We're going to see a lot of things, but I realized tonight was a little bit heavier than I normally go. You know, I like to make you laugh, but this is something that was important for us to look at tonight, the topic of honor. And I want God to say when I get to heaven, first of all, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. And as much as God said about King David, he's a man after my own heart. I would love for the Lord to say that was pastor Dave samples down there, a man after my own heart. He's one of mine. I want to hear that because that means I brought honor to God's name. Not my name. No, no, no. Honor to God's name. I love him so much. Do you love Jesus? Do you love God the Father? Amen. Well, we better stand up. We better stand up. I've run out of time here. But the Lord is good. And I believe that we've just scratched the surface of this. I mean, there's a whole lot more that we could say 
regarding this topic and not even get there, but it's all right. Praise God. Well, if you're here tonight and you need prayer uh, for anything in your life, if you need some agreement on a breakthrough in your situation, whatever it is, we want to pray with you. And if not, hey, we can just take a few minutes to honor God here tonight and worship before we close this thing out. Amen. Let's go ahead. Who you are, and 
That is who you are. That is who you are. A waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. All right, everybody. Well, we're going to go ahead and close out tonight. Trust that everybody has received from the Lord this evening. Amen. Been blessed. Hallelujah. God's good. Well, uh, of course, this uh, coming weekend is going to be awesome. Uh, so be here. And the youth group is going on their trip here in a few days. So let's be sure to support them and uh, and parents get them registered. Uh, there's so many kids going that they had to rent an additional house in the neighborhood. I've never seen this many kids going on a trip. It's insane. So we have never had this many teenagers. And it's really good. So we're happy about that. And so thank you for uh, all those that helped us uh, pull this thing off. But it's going to be super super good. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and close in prayer and then we will speak some words of faith over Barcelona tonight. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word. And, Lord, we know that if we would learn from King David, God, he wasn't perfect, just like none of us are perfect, but he did honor you, Lord. He was quick to repent. If he was wrong, he said, I did wrong, and he made it right, Father. And so I pray that we would learn from that example in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, uh, as we leave here tonight, we thank you that you go with us. You surround us everywhere we go. And so we know that you're going to protect us and keep us safe all week long, everywhere we go. We love you and we praise you, Father. You are good. In Jesus' name. Can we get an amen tonight? All right. Let's speak some faith over Barstow. Let's do it. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you Sunday.